It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? We are up to episode number 196, and it's Sammy Sleeves Week here on BGN Radio. I'm your host, John Stolnes, as we get ready for the Eagles and the Vikings this weekend. And I am joined by the voice of BGN Radio, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the beard, Mr. John Barchard. Mr. John Barchard, how are you, sir? The beard, I like it. That is a new one. So I'm, yeah. I'm definitely in for that. Yeah, we got to start doing like the, the finally we have, you know, we did, there's Mike and Mike, and now there's John and John. So we should like <laughs> do some of the crappy shtick that they do is just say, yeah, hey, John. Yes, yes, John. We should come up with a, hey, you know, don't listen. Some- what's, what's going on? Yes, Barchard. Have you we heard should, about stamps.com? I was yeah. going to say we should come up with some really crappy live reads and do and and do some really <laughs> awful live reads together. You know, I was hungry the other day, Mike, uh, John, you you, you were us, so it's good to see. You. No, that would be perfect. We have to do that. That's awesome. Um yeah, the John and John show this week on BGN Radio Kids and uh, it's my pleasure to actually do this with uh with John, I'm, I'm, I'm again. I wanted to, you know, I haven't said this on the on the podcast yet, but I wanted to thank you for including me as part of the BG and Radio family this year. It's oh, been course, a, 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 a ton of fun, and so um, this is uh, we're gonna have a blast this week talking about uh, Sammy Sleeves, the sleeved one. Um, Sleevey Wonder uh, is coming back to Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, this time, he's going to be wearing some Minnesota Vikings purple. Um, and, uh, you know, we are seeing a Sam Bradford, John. I know you're a Sam Bradford guy. You were a Sam Bradford guy uh, all last year, all this year. I, you probably have a, a Bradford jersey in each color, if I'm not mistaken, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I do. Like from, from St. Louis to, you know, his yeah. uh, 
tough days and the long years that he put in with the Eagles. That's what's funny about this whole thing, man, is just there is like he was here for a year, you know, like I, right. I understand it was very recent and then all that. But I mean, like, it's so odd how his, uh, you know, tra- trajectory just went from like being traded here, pretty much everybody being upset about it to people still being upset about it in the middle of January to be like, I oh, wasn't so bad. Yeah, maybe if he can manage this offense, the defense can take care of things. And, you know, a week before the season, he's gone. We all know that story. But I don't know. I get the sense that like people are trying to make this. Uh, they're trying to b- find a way to boo him this week. Like there's that's that that sentiment's been in the air. But overall, I think people are excited. I guess mainly because even though if even if the Eagles lose, which I'm sure we'll get to at the end of the show here, is yeah. is going to be uh, you know everybody if he does well, the Eagles do well. And I think that's kind of like how this how this has pretty much been set up. I don't think going into this game that he's going to be the one that you key on. Everybody's talking about the Vikings defense and. You should be, you know, it's uh, Sam Bradford's going to be there and not make mistakes. And, uh, uh, you know, the defense is going to make sure that Jordan Matthews definitely won't get open, which is which is a big, huge probability this week. Well, the knee jerk reaction is always to boo the guy that left and whether they left on their own accord or not. I mean, it's uh, I'm not sure why we do it, but, you know, Philly fans do it no matter what the sport is. There are a few exceptions here and there, you know, but when somebody leaves and they didn't measure up or they didn't do you know they didn't deliver on what the team seemed to indicate or promised that they could do um you know Sam you know we were last year the Eagles were were talking about Sam Bradford and that you know they had gotten first first round you know pick offers and turned them down because they really believed Sam Bradford was you know going to be a a quarterback who could you might not be ideal for Chip Kelly's offense but you know could get the job done and last year just unraveled and You know, last year was not all Sammy Bradford's fault. He wasn't good in the first half of the season, but he definitely picked it up in the second half. He was also playing on one leg. Right. That's what I mean. Like, people never get, I'm tired of the injury excuses. Well, you know, it's a a thing. It's the same reason why Kiko Alonso is playing pretty well this year. You know, like, oh, he's not playing on half an ACL. Like, those things definitely matter. A little bit, John. I mean, come on now. It's like, you know, <laughs> if, I, if if we, you know, our career depended on us having two good legs, you know, I mean, it's no, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, and he's doing really well this year in Minnesota. And, you know, it's the numbers. Uh, some of the numbers are impressive. He's second in the NFL in quarterback rating. He's got a 109.8 QB rating. Uh, he's he's uh, first in the NFL in completion percentage. He's at like 70.5%. He's sixth in yards per pass thrown. He's got six touchdowns, and he hasn't thrown a pick yet this year. I mean, so I know that uh, Peter King, a couple of weeks ago, when he was doing his first quarter league MVPs, had Sam Bradford as his first quarter league MVP. And, you know, I don't think I think that's overstating it quite a bit. But Sam Bradford's played well for Minnesota. And you're right, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to boo the guy just because he wasn't great when he was here in Philadelphia last year. Yeah, and, and, to, and to your point, especially with the stats, it's, it's, they're kind of all over the place because – I think he's pretty much almost dead last in attempts, uh, but he has that high completion percentage rate. So obviously they're not asking him to do much, which means you know the offense probably isn't out there a ton of the time, and that you know reads right with how their defense plays and a lot of that's going on. But also like the the yards per attempt thing is quite odd as why it's so high and why it's at like sixth in the league overall when you know you, you Sam Bradford has that Charlie checkdown type of thing that trails them all over the place and there's still some of that there and I think when you look at the completion percentage the amount of attempts overall which he hasn't had to throw much um, 
is is kind of their been their game plan is just to kind of sit and wait and wait for another team to make a mistake. And Bradford's one of those guys that are going to wait and and make sure you make a mistake. But he's e- even throughout that you still see a lot of impressive throws. I think Mike Mayock had tweeted out something where it was against the Texans. It looked like it was like a, a double A type uh, a blitz and. He just the the thing that we forget about Sam Bradford is because he's injury prone doesn't mean he's not tough and like he hangs in the pocket and still delivers a, a good ball from time to time and you know Mike Mayock tweeted this thing up where he's basically already being tackled and somehow throws it sidearm in stride to uh, I think it was uh, uh, one of the running backs or somebody that was coming out, <laughs> out of the oh, backfield wow. for a thirteen or fifteen yard gain so you can see that. Bradford's really happy being in Minnesota. Hell, I would be if the if the situation was changing. You know, they're going through a bunch of offensive line struggles and they're doing a bunch of stuff. But outside of that, yes, all, all those things are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Peter King, give me a break with the with, <laughs> with the MVP already. Like, well, he comeback does player, that. Comeback player of the year, fine. But um, uh, I, I think that uh, I'm happy that Sam's doing well. I won't be for about four hours. You know, on Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. but. I, I think everybody just needs to tip his cap. And honestly, like if if Chip Kelly doesn't make that move, or it's just he gets, you know, signed in the off season, I don't think people are have the type of opinions about Sam Bradford that they do. They would allow him maybe a little more time coming out of that. But everything about last year was we're going to put all these pieces together and win now. And you know, when Bradford doesn't <laughs> doesn't play well and and doesn't adapt in those first six weeks, I think that's where all the hate comes from. Well, and, and, you know, he's not exactly leading a high-powered offense here because, I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, some of the numbers look not. good, but they're like middle of the pack in points per game. They're last. I mean, oh, no, not last. They're like 30th in the NFL in yards per game. So, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, putting up 450 yards of offense per game, you know I mean? And I, I was reading um, on, the, uh, on the SB Nation Vikings blog uh, that somebody wrote, and I think it was when he did a he answered five questions uh, with with uh, ble- for bleedinggreennation.com uh, talking about how he one of the one of their writers said that the offense was actually a little bit better without Adrian Peterson because it was more diverse. That's like crack smoking, right? I mean, that's there's no <laughs> there's no way there's any there, that's complete fiction. Am I wrong about that? I mean, there's no way the offense is better without Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I would say overall that's probably not true. Uh, I, I just think that maybe, I, well, I don't know. There, there are there are some things like that because, you know, you think back to those Giants teams when with Tiki Barber, and as soon as he kind of left, because he was, I mean, as much as we can try and remember, like Tiki Barber was a really good running back, you know, and he was their main staple. He's one of the guys that was there. Adrian Peterson, and trust me, I'm not comparing the two in terms of play. Adrian Peterson is is a Hall of Famer. He's high and above, and he's also an asshole. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, yeah, I I do think there is something to if you if you give away the fo- like he was the focal point of the offense forever. I mean, they had nothing. Stephon Diggs is a brand new toy that's coming in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that they are getting a little more diversified in their play calling based on that. North Turner is is a solid guy, but I don't think he's a creative one. So. I, I think if you eliminate your best weapon and co- almost force them to get creative, that's what kind of people people tend to end up seeing here. Um, I think if, but don't get me wrong, if the if the offensive line was was in any balance of shape and Adrian Peterson was not hurt, uh, I, I'm sure the Vikings would take that fifteen hundred thousand times out of fifteen hundred thousand times because that opens up play action. It opens up a whole bunch of stuff. I, I you know, whatever it was, whether it was him or 
uh, or the offensive line or whatever. He was he was pretty ineffective even when he was healthy. So I think there is something to that, but you know that could have just been the early early week yips of of trying to get together. I mean, Sam Bradford had to learn an offense in in just under a week, and Sean Hill started the first game, and yeah. you know it, it could be a, a bunch of different things. But I really think just taking your biggest playmaker out of there almost forces you to be a little creative here, John. Yeah, somehow the Vikings are the only undefeated team left in football, and they've already lost their number one quarterback running back and their two week one starters at tackle. Already well, just like years. Seattle, I think that's how you need yeah. to build your <laughs> build your team, right? Just to eliminate your best players, and then you'll win. Sure, that's you know we should probably take out Carson Wentz and see how that goes for for the Eagles. Yeah, makes all the sense in the world. Um, we're gonna get back into the Vikings in just a little bit when we when we get neck deep into our Vikings preview. But I wanted a couple other cover a couple other things with the Eagles before we did that. Um, injury wise, looks like the team's relatively healthy this week. John looks like Benny Logan's the only guy who might not go. Uh, has what appears to be a serious groin injury, and I know uh, Schwartz was uh, Jim Schwartz was saying uh, during the course of the week that Logan was really the only guy on defense who played well last week. Yeah. Um, and now, so you got Bo Allen who's going to come in and presumably get a lot of those snaps. Um, what does that do for the makeup of the defensive line? Because I mean, that's you know he, that's a big loss. It's going to be some pressure that you know the. Sam Bradford is not a guy who handles pressure well, um, and you know that's that's a downgrade uh, as far as rushing the passer is concerned. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I don't think people understand, and even coming into this year, I don't think people understood how important Benny Logan was to this defensive line. Uh, I think he's actually it's in a weird way. I think he's almost uh, as uh, as important as Fletcher Cox, and maybe even wow. a little more, just based on the the complementary. Uh, you know, you know, in the trenches type of style that they run, and you have both of those guys kind of fighting back and forth. I mean, all due respect to Bo Allen, I think he's, I think he's fine, and he's in the position that he needs to be playing now instead of nose guard. But um, not having Benny there it allows you to double team Fletcher Cox and not worry about anything else, and it allows you to kind of do some other things. And you know, Fletcher Cox hasn't been playing that well the last two weeks either, so he's kind of been doing that stuff on his own. I'm not trying to make excuses for that either, but. Um, yeah, this is this is a huge deal, especially when you look at <laughs> just what happened against Washington. There's a team that is not like, and and not that the Vikings have a a, a humongous like power rushing game or a, something that you can't stop there. But you know, you having Bo and Connor on the same side just looks awful. You know, it just looks terrible because there's no it. it one half of your line just looks like it's already being bent in and crushed. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, it you mentioned you mentioned Con you mentioned Connor Barwin there. I mean, that's that's another guy who was in the news this week because it looks like his playing time's going to get knocked down a little bit. He's really struggled in the four three, and you know, I know you've talked, you and, and James have talked about this on the podcast this year that you know it seems as though trying to get Barwin to to mesh here on the four three just isn't working, and so now all of a sudden you've got you know, like you're saying, a, a whole one whole side of the defensive line that you know doesn't look as solid as it did the first few weeks of the season. Well, here, I'm going to uh, check this out. All right, this is this is a, a large teacup that uh, me and Matt Daring have been filling up for over a year and a half. Riddick, okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've been saying that for forever, <laughs> forever. Like, how is – I love Connor Barwin to death. He's not a defensive end. He just never, ever was. And the, the more baffling thing out of this – and it's not Connor's fault. He's trying to do his job. He's under contract. I get it. Like, I understand. I don't want to come 
too hard on him. We all know he doesn't fit there. He kind of he barely fit there as a three four outside linebacker. He was always kind of the cleanup guy, and you can't really be the cleanup guy when you're not getting any pressure in a four three wide nine. It just doesn't work. Yeah, uh, I can't believe out of this. And Jim Schwartz has said as much, but I can't believe that he was playing way more than Vinny Curry, a guy that you paid to be a full-time guy there. Like, we all said Connor Barwin is the rotational player this season, right? And through almost seven weeks now, it hasn't been the case. That's more frightening to me than Connor Barwin getting out there. If Connor Barwin is your solution to setting the edge, getting to the pass rusher, we got a serious problem. Like, that's probably Roseman's first gaffe large gaff if it continues on like that if Vinnie Curry is not playing at a high level and he's making almost three times the amount of money that Brandon Graham is that's a huge deal huge huge deal so yeah. uh, I, I, I mean it looks like they're starting they're going to move away from it but it's it's baffling to me that Vinnie Curry hasn't been able to overtake him yeah, I mean, is that just a matter of he hasn't shown enough in practice or whatever? Because <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, I mean, you've pay, you're paying Vinny Curry. I mean, let, make him the guy. What, what's 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 the holdup here? I mean, you're paying both these guys. You know what I mean? So y- you want to get both these guys in, but you're right. I mean, Vinny Curry is 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 clearly the better the better player, the better fit in the scheme. It doesn't. It's 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 just so fascinating why they relate to the party on this. Well, it's it's not. I, I don't think the coaches. Uh, you're between a rock and a hard place too. It's because uh, I think the entire podcast has, has said that you know defensive end is getting overlooked big time, and that was and so was kind of def- a defensive tackle was too. The entire depth, the rotation of the of the line was always like Ugh, the starters are great, but in, especially in this system, you need somebody that's an almost starter behind them, you know, and they don't have those guys. So it's frightening to me that Vinnie Curry throughout this hasn't shown it yet. I mean, the coaches can only do so much, right? You can only say, we were yelling last year, why is Vinny Curry only getting 23% or 25% of the snaps? He's getting to the quarterback. This is ridiculous, but he's the fastball. He's the fastball changeup to to a lot of those guys that were two-gapping and holding strong and allowing the linebackers to go in, and now you switch that, and it's all on Vinny, and he's not setting the edge, and he's mm. being a little, I, I want to even say lazy on his on his moves, and he's always going inside. He's not, you know, I mean, like, a lot of those are huge problems. At least Connor Barwin in peaks and valleys can set the edge for you and allow those other guys to get in there, so... That's on Vinny, you know, like because that was the biggest debate in the offseason of flipping to the 4-3. You want to flip to the 4-3 so you can keep Vinny Curry. And so far, you know, I mean, Brandon Graham is, has been the, the shining light on this defensive line week in and week out. Well, and, you know, the, there's we've see, we, we were very enthusiastic about the defensive line through the first three weeks because they were getting a lot of sacks. They were getting a lot of results. But I, I think, you know... It, what I have noticed from some of these guys is they've got these, these guys have pretty good names, you know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry. These are all guys that, you know, have a reputation of being pretty, we think pretty good football players, but maybe what we, we have to readjust our expectations for these guys, because it seems as though these guys have the ability to flash and 
be really productive players and have great games and can 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 put it together for for small stretches but there's a lack of consistency like you don't see it from these guys with the exception of maybe of Cox and Graham so far this year you don't see it from these guys day in and day out and this goes for the linebackers and it goes for the secondary as well the defense has some names on it they have some guys who have done some things in this league but it doesn't seem as though they bring it every week and it's a different group of guys who don't bring it every week and you can't you can't play consistent defense that way it doesn't seem to me well and john i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm not gonna let fletcher cox off the hook here i mean uh, sorry like uh, i love the guy to death but he, he no, has he's, to, under, he's he, underplayed this year yeah he you're right he's, he's getting he got paid like no one else got paid on the defensive line and he's not producing like he should be. I mean, like, I have been on the record saying that I think he's a future Hall of Famer. Like, he's a no doubt about it lock, but he is nowhere close to that this year. He is nowhere, and neither is the defense. The defense was always going to be the thing you relied on, and you haven't been able to do that for the last two weeks against the teams that aren't aren't that good, you know? So it, it kind of like, it's it's baffling. I hope that it's just a, a, a turn the switch type of moment here because, and I don't really know, you know? Do you think this is more on shorts than it is the talent or is it just a kind of equal parts both here? Well, I think it's, I think it's on both, I, but I do think it's on the players more than it is on shorts because, I mean, there's, you know, th- there's a system that he's got in place here. This wide nine system, which, by the way, gives you know, still gives me the heebie-jeebies when I hear the phrase <laughs> wide nine because because what we saw when Juan Castillo and Washburn were here, but and and, and we we saw the the defense get gashed against the Redskins last week in much the same way that they got gashed when those two guys were here, and. You know, that's I, I don't know that I love this system entirely, be the, the wide nine system. When, when they're getting turnovers, it works great. When they're getting sacks, it works great. But when they can't get to the quarterback, that's a problem. And, you know, so much of football is about motor, John. It's so much about, you know, working through your block and, you know, and maintaining your edge, like you said, and, and hitting the hole hard and getting getting off your block, not not missing tackles, you know, maintaining your form. As the other thing, the Eagles were tackling great through the first three weeks of the season. The last two games, the tackling's gone completely to hell. And I don't think, I don't know that that's coaching. I, I, I kind of do put it more on the players. And I think Schwartz stepped up this week and kind of tried to take some of the pressure off these guys and say, hey, put it a little bit on my shoulders. But no, I think this is on the defensive players. I think this is on the guys on the line. And the guys on the line... They need to be doing the job because everyone knows that the cornerbacks are weak. Everyone knows that you they need to get pressure on the quarterback in order to keep heat off of the secondary because the secondary is going to get burned. Jalen Mills is going to get burned. I mean, you, you it's going to happen. I mean, that was part of the known quantity of this defense coming in. If that defensive line is not shutting down the run and they're not getting to the quarterback, this team's going to get scored on. They're yeah. going to get scored on all day. Yeah, and that's that's where I, I guess that's what pisses me off the most is because we we accepted all those things last year. You can tell me that Billy Davis is a bad coach. You can hear players talk, "Oh, this is going to be so much better." But if you're starting to see the same things, then you got to we you know we got to wake up sometimes and be right. like, "Okay, maybe yeah. a lot of this really was on the players." You know, like yeah. at what point can you how I, like that's what I'm saying? Like, how many freaking tackling drills can you really go through? Right. You know, like, at what point is it just like, yeah, dude, sorry, you lead the league in, in time of possession. You lead the league in time of possession. So that is no longer an excuse. And it looks right. like you guys are dead out there. You got to get off the field. 
Eagles defense has to get off to a faster start, too, John. In the first half this year, they're giving up about 190 yards and almost 12 points allowed. They have three sacks and two turnovers in their five first halves this year. In the second half, they're giving up 122.5 yards, three points per second half this year, and they've got 11 of their 14 sacks in the second half and six of their eight turnovers. If they can flip that script a little bit and start off a little bit stronger, it is a pattern we've seen this defense, and I I think we thought that it would be in a positive way earlier we thought oh man this defensive line rotation is so good they've got so many guys they come at they come at teams in waves i mean the pittsburgh steelers i forget the what was the name of the uh the offensive lineman for the steelers who said yeah. see y'all in the super bowl <laughs> no one's gonna block you guys <laughs> yeah no one can block we y'all that, we all bought that immediately too are you kidding me i was <laughs> taking my shirt off i was like yes dude yes no we're happening. running down broad street getting our spot in line already all picked uh, out Be- no, because I mean, you saw them. They they had the ability to come in waves at, at at you know at the quarterback, and it was wearing down offensive line in this offensive lines in the second half, and that was I thought what was leading to some of these improved second half numbers. But I just think they're getting off to a slow start in the first half, and they, that's that's got to stop, and it's got to stop starting this week. Luckily, the you know as good as the Vikings are, the Eagles' defense is not facing an offensive juggernaut. Jarek McKinnon. Sorry, doesn't scare me a whole lot. Stephon Diggs is going to roast guys a couple of times in this game, and that's that's fine. But Sam Bradford is a statue in the pocket. I've got loose change in my pocket that moves faster than <laughs> Sam Bradford. And so they can get to Sammy Bradford. They can get to the sleeved wonder if they can if they're able to penetrate that offensive line, and they should be able to with Jake Long being inserted into the offensive line rotation for the first time this year and they're missing, you know, they're without their two week one tackles. This is a this is a spot for the defense to get well, I think. Yeah, I, I and and I will just say I Shorts has said it too about the mobility of Bradford and and I agree like he's not like a he's obviously not a burner, but I mean, you know, neither was Kurt Coupons last weekend either, and he still <laughs> somehow true. escaped and somehow outran Vinnie Curry and a bunch of other of those guys. So, yes, I will say, and I think he's actually a little more more, more mobile than Kurt, but, um, I mean, that, on, honestly, that doesn't really matter. Yes, again, this is, I mean, this is a, and I think a lot of teams think this coming in here, this is a picture-perfect offense for this defense they go up against. It honestly is. We, we all know that Bradford's not going to go, uh, down the field at least and not initially and um you know it looks like Stefan Diggs is going to go despite uh you know being held out and being uh, questionable pretty much all week he practiced today so uh, I, I'm sure that he's going to make the trip out there um but yeah I mean it just comes they look for it seems to me like they look for that one big shot you know or that yeah. one big drive that they come and do and and that's enough and uh, amazingly, Blair Walsh is is kind of starting to get his get his game back together and <laughs> making Vikings fans uh, feel a little bit better about kicking field goals. So uh, I, I honestly think that's how you have to attack the, the Vikings offense is still and it fits into exactly what Jim Schwartz likes to do. I don't care about the yards, limit the points. And uh, I will say that uh, I think Jarek McKinnon is is a little bit underrated. Honestly, I I, I think that. If he wasn't behind Adrian Peterson for a long time, he would be starting somewhere. I, I think he is that good. Um, I, I, you know, we don't want this to become you know the Jarek McKinnon <laughs> right, right. team or anything. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if he's up in the you know in the eighties, nineties type of type of you know 
uh, yardage here. I think he's he's good. He's shifty. They use him a lot in the passing game, and um, he's kind of been the safety valve along with Kyle Rudolph, who amazingly, like Kyle Rudolph for the Vikings, is the Zacherts of of the Vikings. He really yeah. is. I mean, like, is this guy going to break out? Is he going to do it? You know, and he's been a really nice safety net, which which baffles the hell out of me of why Zach Ertz couldn't be a Kyle Rudolph. I know they're completely two different body types, but they have the same kind of athletic ability. And that's, you know, the, the whole another story that I'm sure we'll get into with some of the questions later on <laughs> and stuff here, too. But, I you know, there's it is not an exciting offense, but they do a lot of things right. Uh, and they don't make mistakes, you know. They just don't. They, they. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're. I don't have it in front of me. I'll look it up while as we're kind of doing this thing here. But I'm pretty sure that they're very low on the league as far as giveaways. So they're going to have to find them. Uh, and th- honestly, the defense is how they have to match toe for toe here with the Vikings defense. They really yeah. do. You can't yeah. allow these guys to get ahead of you because if their offense starts rolling, uh, good luck and have fun. No, absolutely right. Oh, and let's let's we'll get away from the defense for just a second because one of the other big stories was after the disaster of uh, Halapulavati Vitae last week at Nailed right tackle. It. I, you know, <laughs> it just rolls right off the tongue once you've done it eight hundred times, John. Right. You know, <laughs> um, they're going to stick with Big V at right tackle, um, despite you know his performance last week. And you know, I think he got he, he was got better once he got a little bit of help. He was put in an unfortunate position last week. He should never have been left on an island against a guy like Ryan Kerrigan. And you know, we saw what happened to Carson Wentz when there were people in his area the entire game. And it wasn't just Vitae, you know, I mean, it was the, the offensive line as a whole did not play well last, uh, last week, but there's been a lot of talk about, you know, should Peterson be sticking with Vitae or go to something else? And obviously the, the other thing to go to is the original plan, which would have been to move Barber from left, uh, from left guard to right tackle and to have Wisniewski step in um, and, and join the offensive line. I don't know that that's a whole lot better, John. I mean, I think, you know, is there that big of a, a talent difference between? I know Vitae is a rookie, and so there is there is going to be some kind of uh, of, of a gap in, in ability or at least experience. But you know, neither option's a really good option. I mean, you, neither option is Lane Johnson. It, it, correct, but there is a huge difference here. You know, I mean, we we can we can try and dance around that all, all, all we want, and I think this is a terrible decision. I honestly do. Like, you got to come to the realization. Look, and Big V could shut my big fat mouth up and have <laughs> a, a great game this week and all that. But, I mean, you, you cannot do that this week. You cannot do this this week. Doug, if there's if you're still – there's still time, pal. It is <laughs> Thursday night at 11 o'clock. You cannot do this because you're going to get your quarterback who you invested a lot of, you know, resources, which – well, I guess not anymore, but still, it is your rookie a lot of money. quarterback. They paid him a lot of money. He was they, Nick. He was taking number two overall. He's making some cash. Which, yeah, well, there's that, <laughs> and and like this is your future here, man. If you really want him to have broken ribs twice, you put Big V out there, honestly, because at least a, a, a Tobin, a, a Barber, a something has the experience of they can hold them up once or twice. Rather than just getting crushed in every time, mm. and and this is what you start to to be worried and concerned about. If they don't do this, then they really should. If they really want, don't want to embarrass him or do whatever. Like I think that's such a weird thing to say. I don't want to, you know, uh, have this kid look so bad. I would hope that he's on a short leash, and they would rotate him in in the first couple of series if he's getting his head kicked in. John, this is this isn't like this isn't play school here. You know, this isn't kindergarten. This this is the best defensive line in the league. 
and they're, and they're you know, Griffin's yeah. going to tee off on this guy. So that's what makes me so worried. So if you're going to stick with him, you better game plan the hell away from everything that's inside. And I think this the Eagles' offense against this defense and what it needs to do is cover your ears, everybody. Is 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 play like a Chip Kelly offense? You uh, need to go fast, and you need to dink and dunk all game, every yeah. single time. You need to throw bubble screens away from them. You need to keep them on their toes at every single pace. They need to run no huddle, and they need to go quick the first couple of quarters. And they just need to try and get chunks and make things happen. And you need to get away from that right side of your line. So whatever you need to do, whether it's you know speed runs or option runs or whatever, uh, that's what they have to do. This is it's a huge mistake letting this kid in this week. I'm sorry, it, it just is. Well, I mean, well, I guess we'll see if, if if he does struggle again. They can make the switch. I wonder how much they're they're practicing or planning for for some kind of contingency like that if Vitai does does struggle again. And and you know, this is a this is very much like a Jim Johnson type defense that the Vikings play. You know, they 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 rush. You know, they they play those a gaps where you got guys coming in on either side of the center, and you either got it. Seems to me like it's even a little bit more of a complicated type. Def- offensive, uh, uh, um, this, it's more complicated what the offensive line has to do this week because you either got to shift your guys over or you got to have your running back come up and and you know be one of the guys who's jamming the blitzers and so you know there's cause there's going to be a lot of communication that has to go on there too when when they're trying to figure out you know how to block all these guys who are coming at you and I wonder can that like you know that would seem to me like you the Eagles are going to need to have at least one running back in at all times and it's got to be a guy who can pick up blitzers. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing that they do really well. It's just that that double A, you know, a, a gap blitz with the with both linebackers just setting in there and going back and forth. And you get the other, the good Kendrick's brother, who at one point looked like he was str- actually struggling in coverage. I forget it was like a Sunday night game or a Monday night game, just for a moment. But overall, you know, um, he's the you know, those guys are the real deal. And that's that's why I keep coming back to that, John. Which problem do you want to solve? Because I would, yeah. I would rather just worry about the middle of your line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the time being, needing help and having yeah. those guys. Because let's uh, we, you know, Jason Kelsey, who's also dealing with an injury too, is 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 going to get the brunt of that. So mm. between him and Brooks, and between and, and you know, you just maybe maybe that's why they do start him there is because at least have help in the middle between both guards who've been playing pretty well and you'll deal with what's coming on the right side. So that probably means Brent Selleck's going to be in there the entire time, you know, or whoever else is going to be in there the entire time kind of chipping away. You're going to be a max protect a lot of the times. And, you know, it, it just depends on how aggressive they want to get. But if they're looking at the tape from the past couple of weeks, that's exactly all you do is just keep the pressure on all night. And the, the, I, I am sure that Zimmer is looking at that thing and be like, man, we are good playing man-to-man. So let's just kill them up front. Let's send seven. Let's send six. And the rest will kind of take care of itself. But, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there's it's a, it's a, there are playmakers all over here. And um, – I, I don't know. There's and there's been there's been issues, <laughs> so it almost kind of eliminates Smallwood a little bit too because there's been issues with his his blocking and you yeah. know he's, and and some of that's there. So you lose you lose the ability uh, to not use some of those guys when when you go this route. Seems like a game where Sproles could come in handy on a lot of those screens you're talking about. Um, you know because uh, he's 
Um, he, he's not a he's not bad at picking up the blitz either, is he? I mean, he's he's no, he's yeah. not he's not either. And that, I, I feel like we kind of say that almost every week. It's just like this is a good time to get them involved. This is a good time to get the tight ends involved in the middle of the field. And it, yeah, if, Zach Ertz, if you wouldn't mind coming to play this week, that would be awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> can, you, can you show up? I mean, just you know, I, I understand you probably you have got other things to do. You know, we're we're coming up on Thanksgiving here in about a month, and there's shopping. I get it, <laughs> but you know, if you could play this week, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you got to get the you got to get cranberries. You got to get uh, it's the not easy to put a dinner together. No, yeah, no. <laughs> and it's yeah, and and that's where you just kind of started. And again, it's kind of like with the defensive line: is it the chicken or the egg type of thing? Is it the are they not going to him enough, or is it just him? And I, again, I think it's it's probably a little bit of both. And you you would you would think like. But it's it's really the only thing that has hands too, so it's kind of like, well, you should be kind of throwing that that more or get somebody in there, you know, the, the bring Paul Turner up. I've heard a couple of times this week too. It's just like we're we're desperate for something to go to on this offense when you really need it this week. Let me. I wanted. I was thinking about this this week about the offense and especially about the wide receivers because you look at the receivers that the Eagles have and it's an underwhelming group. I mean, Jordan Matthews is a good receiver, but he's a slot guy, and he, he can be taken out of games I mean, because he, he's not a big physical guy, and he's not going to run past a lot of guys. And then you have Doriel Green-Beckham, who the coaches say now is totally up to speed, so there shouldn't be any limitations on the number ah, of... Yeah, I, let, me, let me just say that. Please go. Ah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know that any of us actually believe that. I mean, I'll put it this way. there's There should be no preparation wise any limitations yeah, on he Dorian. knows the playbook is <laughs> exactly. that is, that's exactly what that means yeah. right exactly that's that's the way of putting that but I mean you look at this group of receivers and then I'm, I'm trying to think and I wanted to play the name game with you a little bit here for just a second which set the, of, name game. the name game's a fun game we should make it a regular thing which <laughs> which set of Eagles wide receivers would you rather have would you rather have this year's group or the mm. 2000 crew of Charles Johnson Torrance Small and Nay Brown Oh man, uh, I, no! I'm still gonna go with this group. Still gonna go with this group. I mean, I can't remember. Oh, Jesus, Charles Johnson. No, Oof. it was it was a horror show. It was a horror <laughs> show. So I just and uh, all right, but let me ask you about now the 2003 crew. This is the year before Terrell Owens uh, came on board. James Thrash, Todd Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell, and Greg Lewis. That foursome. Would you rather have that foursome or the crew we have now? That's closer. Uh, man. Because remember, I'm gonna, Pink, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, go ahead. I was gonna say, Pinkston could stretch the field. I mean, and yeah, that's that's where I, I would almost say I'll take right now. I think I'd have to take the 2003 crew just because every now and again they could make a play when yeah. they needed to, you know, and that's really the only difference because I still think there's talent enough in these wide receivers, but like. You know, even even Fred X, the the <laughs> and and fourth and twenty six also excluded could make a play every now and again when you needed him to. So yeah, I, I would say I think I remember was he's the one that caught the scramble on the McNabb like fifty five second run back and forth against Dallas on Monday night. So yeah, yeah, I, I I'll take the guy that can make a play every now and again. Yeah, and and Freddie caught fourth and twenty six, and he caught the deflected ball in the uh, divisional playoff game against the Vikings right. and all that stuff. So yeah, Freddie had his moments, and then he'd strap on. On the belt, and then you basically just wanted it to go away for <laughs> a long tell time. Tell him to shut up and do it again. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the by the way, I saw this stat this week. Thought it was interesting. Most receiving yards in a game by an Eagles w- outside wide receiver over the last two seasons is seventy-eight yards. Josh Huff Oof. did that, and no outside receiver over the last two years has more than four catches in a single game. That's horrible. That's isn't a it? that's a really bad last two years, isn't it? Like it's dear horrifying. God, and yeah. still how, how you know, um, like. 
Uh, I, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the Jordan Matthews has those nice numbers, and a lot of guys have those nice numbers in Kelly's offense because he, you know, tended to run so many plays. I I don't know if well, I I guess. Let me see. Is Jordan, I guess Jordan Matthews still would, is kind of almost on pace for a thousand yards, which is good. But he also has the most targets too. So, yeah, it's 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 crazy how unreliable everybody is. Like I still, I know we talk about it all the time, but mm-hmm. I am still baffled on just like, good lord, we are talking about Ted Ginn or you know guys like that <laughs> that are just like at least can you know just give us give us something, please God, give us something. Yeah. All right, well, listen, uh, we asked the good folks um, on the Twitterverse to uh, hit us up with a couple of questions, John, and so uh, we got a slew of them. I'll pick a couple out here just to address real briefly. Um, uh, we, we talked uh, um, a little bit earlier about uh, Connor Barwin and the struggles he's had. At Dan52036 asked, what kind of trade value do you think we could get for Barwin right about now? Oof, man. Um does any NFL uh, player have trade value this time of year? You know, it's like it's it's a weird time of year to, to think about trading. The only time where it really does is, he, I mean, like you just saw the Packers, you know, trade for Nile Davis because of Eddie Lacy's issue. Yeah. You're really only going to get that if if there's an injury going here. So, not that you would wish harm on any other team, uh, but the only reason why and and honestly. As as much as we just went through that whole thing with the defensive ends, you can't get rid of Connor Barwin. Yeah. You cannot. There's nobody else there, really. I mean, like, unless you are comfortable with uh, Vinny being in there for 70% of the snaps and Stephen Means takes over the other 30, uh, then uh, then you do that. But I, I, I just don't – you can't. You honestly can't. You would have to actually, like – Look for a different piece to upgrade your defensive end to then parlay, you know, the Connor Barwin into that too. So if I, I, I just don't, I see that as even more unlikely than trying to get a right tackle in here. Right. No, and that was one of the other questions we got. You know, should the Eagles go after a right tackle at this point? And because you know Lane Johnson is going to be out till the second to last game of the season, and as we mentioned on here before, that might not he might not play because that's a Thursday game, and it might be too short of a work week for him to come back on. So. Um, yeah, you mentioned the right tackle. Is there a possibility the Eagles could trade for a right tackle in the next couple of weeks or so? Possible. Oh, anything's always possible. But I, I just, I'm, I'm starting to put that to the, the, you know, very much highly unlikely. There's, there's no other thing on this team that I think has enough value to get you a starter, which is basically what they need. Anything else that you would do would give you a depth. That, at, at that position, but you're probably losing something that you need on on the other right. side. So you really, it's it's a it's a really tough situation. This is it's so funny because you know we we forget these things mainly because we play fantasy football all the time, and it's so easy to like you know take care of an injury or take care of this. And hell, Sam Bradford got traded eight days before the season opener. So right. there's there this seems like there's there's trades to be made, but honestly, once the season starts, it is so hard to get anything done because. Um, you know, GMs are GMs are basically useless. They really are. It comes down. This all fo- falls on coaching and everything else right now. You know, your GM tried to put you in the best possible position going into it. Um, I, I don't. I don't see that happening. Uh, at any time, I really don't. I, I wish that I wish I had better news, but I just don't see that happening. Well, and at this time of year, any any te- any player that a team would be willing to trade 
has flaws of their own, right? I mean, we're, look, we're trying to get rid of Connor Barwin or Michael Kendricks. You know, these are two guys, you know, everybody asks about what can the Eagles get for these guys. And these guys have flaws. Otherwise, the Eagles wouldn't be looking or wouldn't be wouldn't consider moving them. You know, I mean, and <laughs> yes. that's the same thing with any right tackle that's out there. What good NFL team or what pardon, what bad NFL team has a really good right tackle that they're looking to unload? They, if you have a really good right tackle, chances are you're probably not a bad team and you're not looking to trade him. So... You know, it's it's you know. Trade- and even if it's a even if it's a bad team, because Joe Thomas's name has come up a billion times this week, <laughs> you're you're probably still you're not going to give. It, that's the only thing they have. You know, right. a lot of the time that's like sturdy that you can count on. You know, it's just like I'm I'm going to be this thing. It's the same reason why you probably wouldn't have a bunch of Super Bowl contenders, depending on how the Eagles season goes. Call up and say, hey, what is Jason Peters up to? Right. You know, no. it's just like and and on top of the fact that. It's the Matt Daring thing, which I absolutely love. Hey, this player's bad. Let's trade him for something good. You know, it's just like it just doesn't <laughs> work like that, unfortunately. Yeah, and if you're talking about draft picks, trading draft picks, the Eagles worked so hard to get some of those draft picks back that they lost in the Carson Wentz deal. I don't think they're looking to unload those draft picks for no a way. midseason trade. You know, I mean, nope. it, they're not there yet. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You can't. You can't unless it is a this helps now and in the future. It's just not going to happen. Right. One more question from at D underscore Tomei. Um, I don't know that this has an answer. What is the weakness in Minnesota's defense that <laughs> Philadelphia can exploit? And I made a joke, I think, on Twitter earlier where I mentioned the fact that they're not going to live forever, maybe. I mean, because <laughs> we all die at some point. The The mortal coil shuffles us all off at some point or another here. And, you know, we you know the Minnesota Vikings defense won't be this Minnesota Vikings defense 50 years from now. Aside from that, I'm not so sure there's a weakness here the Eagles can exploit. Yeah, wait four years and then it'll be bad, maybe. <laughs> right. um, yeah, there's, uh, if, if anything... The, and and I'm not saying that they're bad at this. Obviously, you guys know that. Uh, I think that there is, again, you stick with, you go with the Eagles' best strengths. Honestly, that's what you go towards. That's how you find the weakest link. And, and if they can, if they can shut that down, then boy, oh boy, is it going to be a long game. But you got to go with the, you know, the ability. I, I'm telling you, they should. They have to go no huddle. They have to go dink and dunk, and they have to rely on the middle of the field. Uh, you know, stay away from stay away from the middle of that line. Go to the outsides and be extremely fast uh, with with your passes. Like that that is that is the only thing that you can really exploit and just put all of the pressure on the linebackers because that's what you have to do. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to make mistakes at some point. You have to scheme so your guys get open in the middle of the field and you just chunks at a time and take the field goals when you can because, like I said. On the other side of the ball, hopefully your defense is doing the same thing and just make it a boring ass. God, I can't believe that they're showing this on Fox in the <laughs> middle of the day. This is so boring and and make it that. I mean, you have to do that and you have to just at some point take your shot and be aggressive when you when you have to and take it off uh, when you when you don't. And that's 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 basically the only thing I can come up with how to beat those guys. Luckily, we, we run a West Coast offense here, and so this is there's a lot of plays in the playbook that call for exactly like what you're talking about. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe a designed Carson Wentz run or two. 
uh, to kind of throw things off a little bit. Some, you know, I mean, I don't want the, I don't want the guy to get killed, but if they're going to be rushing five or six every time, if you can kind of suck him in and maybe do a delay draw for Carson Wentz once in a while, making sure he slides, get down and slide. Yes. Um, you know, you know, I don't want to I don't want to put the franchise at risk, but you know, maybe that's a way to kind of slow down the rush a little bit too um, in this game. Yeah, I, I could I could see that happening a couple of times, or just you know, uh, I, I I think that puts. Again, Carson in kind of a dangerous situation, yeah, just like yeah. you said, John. But uh, yeah, when it, a couple of times when it's when it's needed, just to throw them off. Absolutely, I think you might have to. All right, let's check in with the NFC East here, John. Uh, it's a, an interesting time going on in New York right now, um, as uh, there's been some revelations uh, with Giants kicker uh, Josh Brown. Um, obviously, he was suspended for one game earlier in the season because of domestic violence uh, issues. Uh, it's come out this week now um, that the situation, uh, his situation, was far worse than anyone, um, what we had, than any than we had been led to believe. Um, and now he's not going to make the trip with them to London. Uh, the Giants play uh, the Rams in London on Sunday morning, and um, it's becoming a real messy situation up there. Apparently, what you've got a situation here where this guy has been uh, a chronic spousal abuser over the course of his marriage, um, as opposed to he was telling the press just there was an isolated incident or something like that. What, what's going to go down here, John? I mean, just your best guess as far as can he can Josh Brown can the Giants. Can anybody survive this guy being on the Giants past right now? I, man, I hope not. And I'm not going to say like, oh, yeah, he's absolutely done because we've already seen that doesn't happen yeah. right away. And this just like I, I know th this happens a lot and people always try and jump on me for, you know, coming out here because it's a rival. It's the Giants. I was on Greg Hardy last year. If I've said as such about a few players that I've said that about DGB and even Jalen Mills, like who I've, I'm still not fully trusting on this team. And like, I don't really want to celebrate all that shit until things have worked out, but this is atrocious, man. Yeah. This is absolutely atrocious. It's been, it's so as of now, Robbie Gould is, is flying to London and, you know, Josh Brown is not. And my question is what the fuck took so long? Yeah. You know, like the, this could have been dealt with, Long before the preseason, there are hundreds and hundreds, literally hundreds of kickers that can play in the NFL that are desperate and hungry for jobs. And for some reason, you wanted to double down and stick with this guy you, the, the, who told the owner that he does this. And, like, you were somehow okay with that. Like, still being on this team, the one-game suspension, all that stuff, kick him off the team. Let alone, I know kickers are people too, but it's a fucking kicker. Like, what, 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 what are you doing? Why are you defending this? It's the same thing that you know. I get on for people just staunchly defending other folks that they, they like. You know, you're Joe Paterno crowd. Like, I, I don't understand. It, he, he did nothing. Josh Brown does nothing for you. You know, uh, Patrick Kane doesn't do anything for you. Neither does Ben Roethlisberger. Neither does a lot of these guys. I don't. Give, yeah. I don't they don't give a shit about you. Why do we give a shit about them? Get him off the team. Get him out of the league. Uh, like it's just in in a year where you're just in a, in a month that is specifically dedicated to women. Like it, it, you're just like I, I I don't know. I don't get it anymore, John. Like it's it it and and for the fact that like some of the people um, and shout out to Ben Deton who's who wrote a great piece. And I know this is it's it's personal to him as well. Where you just can, can we not just have a conversation about this stuff anymore? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't I don't get it. There there are excuses that are are made constantly for athletes and for these people, and not even athletes, actors, act, you know, whatever. Like, but we still we're still here, and it, it's weird, John, because at, at some point, like when when do we say like 
man, I, I, I just can't really do it anymore. Like we're all, we're all hypocrites. I'm not saying I'm better than one another. I'm still going to watch football. And I still think there is a good balance between you can watch football and still be outraged by a lot of the stuff that's going on here. But I mean, like this, this really could, you know, Josh Brown is what he is and that's never going to change, but I'm more outraged at owners, the league, all that stuff that just don't take care of this and why they feel they, a need to protect this kind of behavior. Yeah, and that's well said. And, you know, this is a league that dealt with Ray Rice already. And this is a league that has dealt with, you know, with, with the Adrian Peterson uh, child abuse incident, you know, a couple of years ago. And these guys, these guys, because they can do a very specialized thing, um, in Josh Brown's case, kick a football through two yellow bars um, with, with regular accuracy. He, he gets to keep, he gets the benefit of the doubt. And it seems as though in the case of the, the Giants owner, who apparently knew there was more than one incident going on, he's not coming off looking so good in this particular uh, circumstance either that he gets to he gets to keep playing despite the fact that they knew they they apparently knew that they had this uh, you know a serial abuser on their hands and so um it's a it's you know sports can be a lot of fun it can be a great escape and it can be you know a way to bring people together it can be a way for you know fathers and sons to connect and it can be a way for you know people at the at the office to to have something in common that they can share or you know they can fight about and you can you have a lot of fun with sports but there are some times when sports is just as ugly as anything else and uh you know and John we- I'll just I'll just say this at the end here too because like you know right now as we're recording this I'm watching the Cubs right I mean like I that's that is something that I will always hold near and dear to my heart. Me and my grandma used to grow up and go to regularly. There's a long history of the Cubs not being able to go to the World Series. And right. I battle with it every time that in this series that when Chapman comes out there and has to close out a game, like I kind of get sick to my stomach at the same time because I don't know what I'm supposed to do at that point. I don't know, like, yes, the, he is like a, a, a without a doubt a, an abuser. And I also love the Cubs at the same time. So where do my loyalties really lie? You know, like right. I understand that there's a lot of different people on this. There's 26 other ball players on this team that I can, or 25, I should say that I, I feel really comfortable rooting for. And there's a lot of great guys, but that almost kind of ruins it for me at the same time where it's, it's that battle back and forth of like, if he's there and he breaks this curse at the end of, you know, the game seven and he's there in the bottom of the ninth and he strikes him out. That's always going to be there. But, it, you know, at the same time, like that guy should not be playing baseball. Yeah. He should be in jail somewhere. It's kind of that that feeling. And there's the, the the problem with all this is, is we don't we don't have a good answer either. You know, I you can't be like I said, it's it's it seems I always seem hypocritical to myself, even just like, oh, well, I'm still here enjoying the sport. I'm, you know, it, it's crazy. I, I just I wish that. Uh, more or less, I think it is just it's you, you. Everybody needs to speak up about this, no matter what. If it's in a sport in arena, if it's in anything, like it's it shouldn't be tolerable at all. It's the same crap that I see day in and day out a lot of the time with uh, women in this business who get treated way differently than they should have. I see people in the locker room that don't. I mean, like for for Christ's sake. I mean, I go in there with jeans and a polo to go get sound, right? That's that's what my privilege has allowed me to do and to, to be a part of that locker room. And women have to be makeup, you know, yeah. pretty hair, like all that other crap too. And it's just there is there is a definite difference in in this world right now and in sports. And so when it's in front of your face, we have to talk about it. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a really sad thing, and I, I hope that there is some balance in between this type of crap and being able to enjoy sports again. 
Well, it's important to talk about, and we'll see how the Giants handle it over the next few days. Um, wouldn't be surprising if by the time you hear this podcast, the situation um, is either resolved or has advanced in, in some form or another. There's no easy way to pivot off that, John, but let's uh, make some picks, try and make you a little bit of money. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. All right, John, so uh, which game are you looking at this week? Um, the lines are out. Uh, let's see what you got for us. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of – again, you're always trying to assume, like, oh, this is definitely going to be, be the best game of the week, and, uh, and and then it always somehow gets ruined. So I was, I was kind of leaning towards, you know, Patriots and, and Steelers there, but, you know, Landry Jones ugh, just makes that game so much unwatchable. So I'm actually going to head – a little further uh, west, and I'm going to say that that Seattle Arizona game is going to be a little bit quite intriguing here because it looks like Arizona is finally kind of piecing things together. Even though Carson Palmer's looked a little up and down, this line opened up at a, at, at a point and a half, and it's kind of sticking there between a point and a half and two points in favor of Arizona. Tends to look like an Arizona line to me. Uh, or excuse me, a Seattle Seahawks line to me. So I'm I'm going to stick with that. I think that's great, and any chance that I can see Bruce Arians, uh, you know, get his diaper nice and sweaty is is uh, perfect for me. So I'm going to go with the the Sunday night game tonight, <laughs> and I'm going to take Seattle and the points uh, in that one. Why don't they let him wear his beret on the sideline? I mean, that's something that needs to happen. I mean, it's, he's not complete unless he's wearing that stupid little hat of his. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna look at the uh, one of the uh, one of the divisional games here. Uh, Redskins at the Lions. Um, you know, I know the Redskins are hot. They've won four in a row. Um, but the Lions are also playing pretty well. They're favored by one at home. Um, I think that's kind of low. I like the Lions in this game. I don't see the Redskins winning five in a row. I think the voodoo magic has to end. Um, and listen, all you know, just so everyone understands, I'm like one in five this year picking games. <laughs> so if you go the other direction, I ain't gonna be mad. Um, but I like the Lions in this game. You know, I, I think they. Uh, you know, it's a, it's basically a pick 'em. I mean, you know, yeah. one. You know, I it's just Lions at home against a team that I don't think is still. Even though they've won four in a row, I still don't think they're all that good. Um, I think Detroit is starting to get their feet under them. The offense is starting to play well. I'm going to take Detroit in that one uh, as the one-point favorite at home. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, too, because like no one thought they could win four in a row, right? And that's why right. we're all so very confident about last week. Right. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think Detroit I think Detroit kind of takes that game, too. But, man, if they win five in a row, I'm going to be... I'm going to be so enraged because it'll be the worst like five and two team on the planet, and their point differential just just, just screams that. But uh, you know, any given Sunday, so we'll have to see. Yeah, they went five in a row. Kirk Cousins is one step closer to that long-term multi-billion-dollar deal that we're all hoping the Redskins give him. So maybe it yes. wouldn't be all bad. Uh, so, all right, John, as uh, we look forward to Eagles Vikings here on Sunday, uh, how do you think this is all going to shake out, my man? Uh, I, I think. I think this is going to be pretty bad, folks. I'm I'm so sorry. I, I I know that there is going to be a lot of hype that is built up of, you know, hey, we've we kind of ate up uh, last last year when you had real, two really bad losses in a row, and then they're walking into New England and nobody gave them a chance, and they ended up pulling it out. But I, I honestly just don't see it here. I don't know uh, an effective game plan that would work that would go toe to toe with with this defense, and uh, I know we're expecting. Bradford to make a mistake at some point, but so far so good, and he hasn't shown that. And um, I, yeah, I, I think Minnesota wins this by like 
10 points. I think they, it's going to be, uh, uh, I'm going to, man, I'm going to say 20, yeah, like 21, 13, somewhere around there. Yeah, John, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I don't I think it's going to be closer. Um, I, I do think the Eagles' defense can can have some success against uh, the Vikings' offense. I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring. I think we're going to see a lot of field goals uh, this weekend, just because I don't know, you know how how easy it's going to be for e- either team to get into the end zone. But I I do see the Vikings uh, pulling this thing out because you, you look at the battle of the lines. You know the Eagles got dominated on both lines against the Redskins last week, and that was that was the story of the game. And I, I think the same thing's going to happen uh, on Sunday as well. But I think it's going to be a little bit tighter. I, I have the uh, Vikings nineteen, Eagles thirteen. Okay, so, I like I kind of like that. At least that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. a little. I mean, we're going to see a lot of kicking, which is just going to be thrilling for everyone. It's going to be like you say, a dink and dunk game with lots of kicking. Who who's on board? <laughs> Who who's ready? I'll call the governor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for BGN Radio episode 196 for this week. Uh, my thanks to John Barchard uh, for coming on the show uh, this week and uh, coming on the show. John hosts the show like you know three, four days a week. So it's no, not like that's what I wanted. That's a, that's what we're trying to do here. Is just like no Thursday's your gig. That's why I like being on this end. I can just react and talk and. Uh, John has to do all the hard work, so this is That's I like right. that for the I'm exhausted. I'm gonna go take a bath after we're done this, just to relax uh, with a nice bottle of wine. So, uh, everybody, enjoy. Try and enjoy the game this week, and uh, talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.